Hello, and welcome back to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast, or welcome for the first time. I'm Josh Roller here in Charlotte, and Brock Peters is in Indianapolis. It's the post Lamar and Sonoma show, but we also want to say thank you to all those who've been tuning in the past few weeks. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed what you've been hearing in our discussions and our debates, our takes, uh, our opinions, however you want to phrase it. We just hope you're enjoying this show. And uh, hopefully you're back here for more. And if it is your first time, we hope to hear you. Uh, have to have you again here uh, over the next few weeks. And uh, hope you become a longtime listener because we love uh, sharing our thoughts with everybody who cares to listen. Right, Rob? You bet. All righty. All right. So we have a lot of interesting Formula One and NASCAR news to discuss. Uh, IndyCar and Dirty Mo Media's Connor Daly is out of a ride, but found another one just not in the same type of vehicular device. Plus, is bike racing looking to do uh, its own American explosion like Formula One? We're gonna talk about it. So let's go ahead and get things started with Rob's Racing Report. Hello everyone and welcome to the Racing Report of the day, June 13th, 14th. I don't know actually what day you might be listening to this. It might be even the 15th who knows uh let's start off with some formula one news because we we do have quite a bit of formula one news to discuss this week um now if, if josh i i don't know how much you're getting of this down there but uh the wildfires in canada yep. uh, are causing a lot of haze especially in indianapolis uh i don't know how much it is down there in charlotte no the, the, the east coast is i guess a bit a bit bis- I guess a bit worse than the, the Midwest. I, I don't know if we we got it the other day or not, or if it was just um the the gloominess of the day. It was a cloudy day to be like it, it was sunny, then it's cloudy. And then like look outside, like, is that hazy or not? But we didn't have the breaking bad theme song playing like oh, New yeah. York City did, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. I needed. That's when you needed Brian Cranston just to show up in the middle of of Times Square in the Walter White, uh, the the the, t- the stereotypical Walter White look, and just going, "Where's my money?" Yeah, that's yeah, what it's so bad. It's like that. Um, Indianapolis. I, I've never seen Indianapolis' skyline hazy before. You know, yeah. full of smog. Never seen that before. Usually, it's beautiful. You know, usually the skyline is absolutely beautiful. You know, it reminded me, you know, I've seen Chicago's skyline like that, but, you know, it's Chicago, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that it's dirty, you know, it's just, it's more prone to that because there's more industry around there. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Um, but Indianapolis, you know, we, we don't have that like Chicago. We're not as dense as a city as Chicago. So I've never seen like haze like that. Um, over the skyline. So that was kind of creepy for me. Uh, but speaking of this haze that's going on, because there's, I guess, there's the, the F1, F1 is, is determined. They say that the 2023 Canadian Grand Prix is not in danger and is still on for this weekend. So they're going to go run in Canada. I don't know how good the visibility will be. We'll find out. Uh, I actually really don't know how you know, maybe it's not a problem in Montreal. I actually don't know. I don't watch enough Canadian news. They don't make the CBC available to Americans, like, you know, 
BBC and Sky do for like the UK and stuff here. You know, like yeah. I can watch BBC News and Sky News, like the same stuff that they watch over in the UK. I can watch that here either for free or with a subscription. You know, you don't have that mm-hmm. in CBC. Right. right. You can't get any Canadian television. And it's, I, I'm pretty sure it's because their laws are different. I, I know Canadian broadcasting laws are are very different than U.S. broadcasting laws. They're similar, yeah. but very different. So, But anyway, um, yeah, curious to see how that's going to go. Um, hopefully, you know, no issues with the Canadian Grand Prix, because I always love running at Montreal. Um, and and uh, I, I think we're going to be talking a little bit more about uh, Montreal here in, in later in, in the show here, and I'm kind of excited to when we get to it. Um, anyway... Uh, let's talk about the next piece of news here. This is interesting from Formula One. Uh, per deadline, Formula One is entering the scripted television world with Felicity Jones set to star in the, a family drama series. So we're going to make a scripted TV show that centers around F1. Yeah. So, you know, we, 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 we love the drama of Drive to Survive, so we've got to script it and and make it even more dramatic. That's yep. what we're doing. 100. 100. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Um, We'll talk about this also later on in the show. Uh, but Racing News 365 has reported that Formula One has abandoned plans for a new South Africa Grand Prix as South Africa has aligned themselves with Russia that's what they say. Uh, Belgium and Spa reportedly are set to stay on the calendar. So we will talk about this later in the show. Very interesting news. I think a lot of people were looking forward to Kyalami's return, and that now seems less likely. Uh, let's talk about some of the two-wheeled news today. We don't normally talk about the two-wheeled news on this show, but uh, the you know, always, always good when we can uh, mention MotoGP. I just, I've always said, I wish, you know, that their television rights didn't go to NBC and become tape delayed most of the time and lose Moto3, Moto2, and qualifying. Um, I wish, you know, we were still able to watch it on BN Sports. Oh, well. Um, but anyway, uh, SBJ Sports Business Journal has reported that MotoGP is talking with entities about building new circuits in the United States for additional events beyond Circuit of the Americas. Now, I know that Circuit of the Americas has had a rocky-ish relationship with MotoGP in the past. I know that, you know, some riders don't tend to like the surface of the track, but, you know, they have tried to replicate, or excuse me, uh, you know, not replicate, but... um, What's the word? What's the word? Josh, you know, we're recording this at 9 a.m., Yeah. And uh, I'm not used to being awake this early, so I'm I'm not thinking. Uh, repair. They're yeah, trying re- to repair. Re- yeah, I thought you were going for a bigger word there. Yes, repair is. I was, repair but is- now repair, I realize, is a better better word. Um, but yeah, so they're they're you know they're trying something there. I I kind of just wish they come back to Indy, but that probably won't happen. Uh, I think as much well, as building uh all new. Circuits, I don't think they're going to be building two circuits just for MotoGP. Um, no. I think I think they're just going to end up going to tracks that exist. So I look at 
Indy, I look at Sonoma, I look at Laguna Seca, I look at... Yeah, I, I mean, heck. They should go back to Laguna Seca. I mean, yeah, yeah there's just... You're, there's there's other... There's already tracks that are built that can serve their That MotoGP purpose. won't go to anymore. Or they did go to, and they yeah, don't they go did. to anymore. That's the thing that's be, weird to me. Is it used to be three. MotoGP three had three races in the, in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. MotoGP had three races in the States before it was cool. Yeah. You know, they before. used to go to Coda, Indy, and Laguna Seca. Yeah. 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 I don't know what, what was wrong with those facilities. Because they want, it wasn't the wrong with the facilities. It was like, oh, we want to go to two other countries instead of three in America. So, but now they want to come back and run more races in America. I, I guess I don't. I just don't know how popular bike racing is. Maybe it's more popular than we than we think because we're just not out. We're not in it, um, or we don't really pay I know attention. It's pretty to it. popular in Europe. I know. I, I know, know it's it, yeah. It's absolutely popular over there. But you know, is there is there a need for it over here? If so, great. You know, good for them. All racing's good racing, and um, spread the love, all, all, all tides rate ships kind of thing. So, um, and I think the word you were looking for, Rob, might have been rehabilitate. There we go. That is also a good word. Um, but no, you're right. And But I think step number one for MotoGP to gain any kind of footing in, in the United States right now would be just to get them a better TV deal. Yeah. You know, the... As much as I love NBC, like without NBCSN, and even when, and even when I had NBCSN for that matter, it it just doesn't work to do MotoGP. It just doesn't work. And if if you don't have the rights to put it on Peacock, it's just it's even worse. They don't have the rights to put it on Peacock because MotoGP has their own streaming service. Well, guess what? People who don't like MotoGP are not going to stumble upon it. People yep. like me who aren't hardcore bike racing fans aren't going to stumble upon that. You know, I like MotoGP. Don't get me wrong. I like it, but not enough to pay as much money as they're asking for for this F1 TV type clone. Yeah. yeah. And plus, I'm not going to – I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I watched maybe the US GP and the Dutch TT, and that was it. Honestly. I mean, I watched other MotoGP races if they were on, but, I mean, those were the two races that I really cared about. And – when they had it, the Indianapolis. I wish them luck. I would like to see MotoGP get more popular just for that sake, just so that we get a better TV deal. Um, and people kept saying, oh, the BN Sports deal was bad because nobody could get it. And I was like, dude, go, you, you, you could still do this, actually. You could go to slingtv.com, where they're not a sponsor of this, but I'll tell you this right now. Uh, and if you want BN, not that it's worth anything now, but you could get it for like 10, 15 bucks on Sling, standalone with a couple of other sports channels. Like, for people to say it was expensive is ridiculous. It wasn't. It really wasn't. So, anyway. Let's move on into some IndyCar news. Because uh, there's a big, 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 big bombshell that dropped in the world of IndyCar last week. And that's Ed Carpenter Racing and Connor Daly have parted ways. His last race was at the Detroit Grand Prix. So Ed Carpenter Racing, Connor Daly, Splitsville. Uh, and uh, But the BitNile sponsorship that Connor Daly originally brought with him uh, is set to stay on, on the car. So, you know, Josh, I, we, you and I were texting back and forth, you know, talking about, um, you know, we're talking about how 
this would, you know, what how this went down, what might have happened. You know, I, I, I have no idea. I don't know if I know enough to speculate on it either. Um, but it is very, very interesting. It is very, um, it's worthy of a follow-up if, if any writer could get it. Yeah. Uh, but Connor Daly announced on Monday that he will join Dreyer and Reinbold Racing in Nitro Rallycross. So he's not, not going far. Um, just going uh, into the world of Rallycross with uh, Travis Pastrana. Um, and that's that's a fine series as well. I think it's it's entertaining. I think it's a good racing series. But uh, Connor Daly will be missed in IndyCar, for sure. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, his replacement his replacement is actually going to be Ryan Hunter-Ray. So, uh, to be honest with you, it's... Kind of a bittersweet thing because I'm sad to lose Connor, but I'm glad that we got RHR back on the grid. Right. Um, Same way. I think the fact that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think. I think the biggest problem was having, not having, a recent that you know, Hunter Ray won the championship in 2012 and he won at 500 in 2014, and not having one of the most. I mean, New Garden is now since taken over that but prior to no new garden winning the 500 and and stuff like it, it just it looked bad to not have the last american 500 winner in the series whoa uh, uh, whoa 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 hold the brakes rossi ah rossi you're right shoot i keep forgetting that he won that race in 2016 wow yeah one of it them is, one of the is. last american winners it is. It, it, he is definitely. When you think about it, uh, New Garden, Rossi, and Hunter Ray, they they are the only three to do it since Hornish did it in '06. So it the the American winners. Crazy that I've seen four. all those wins. Yeah, it, it's a short it's a short list. So yeah, to have you know one of them not really retire, but more so pushed out. That being Hunter Ray, um, you know, it's great to see him with the 500 this year and. Now he's got a chance here. Don't know what he's going to do with it. Don't know if it's going to be something that stands into 24. But, yeah, very interesting. I think, you, like you said, it deserves a follow-up. Hopefully we find out more information. I'm sure Connor will talk about it at some point. Um, he's just, he, I think he's just very open and, and, and transparent in that in that way, especially on his podcast. So, uh, which by the way is, is always pretty solid and good. So you, you don't listen to that. If you don't listen to Connor Daly's uh, podcast on part of the Dirty Mobia Network. You should. Good, good podcast. Not does not, this technically count here. as a driver trade? And with Daly getting DFA'd to Nitro Rallycross, uh, I think that's a compliment more so than that a was fact. my joke. Okay, good. That was good. my joke of the day. That, that was good. That was a good one. <laughs> All right, let's pop into some NASCAR news here. Uh, last piece of news, or, or well, a last segment of news, at least, that we're going to talk about is, is in the NASCAR world. Uh, and this, this is just wild. This, this first piece of news. This is, this is exceptionally wild. I don't even know how to feel about this. Uh, reports have been confirmed by Daytona President Frank Kelleher that Daytona International Speedway is being considered as a possible temporary home for the Jacksonville Jaguars when their stadium goes under renovation. So in case you haven't been following this up, I guess the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to renovate uh, their stadium. They're going to 
I guess, make it similar to how uh, the Miami Dolphins renovated Hard Rock Stadium. I think, yeah, they, they've um, got you know, really nice plans in the works there that, you know, they can't find land anywhere else in Jacksonville, so they just got to renovate where they're at. Yeah. And you know what? I prefer that. I prefer to renovate the stadiums we have rather than tear them down and build new ones. That's my opinion. You know, I, I mean, where would we be in the world if we decided to, if, if, if at some point along the last 100 years, the White Sox and the Red Sox dis- decided to demolish and rebuild Wrigley or Fenway. Like, it'd just uh, be wrong. I mean, uh, I don't understand uh, they did the same thing to Na- Yankee Stadium, but... Yeah. I, I, it would I, still I, be wrong. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's obvious. I think it's where it comes down to money, spending, your owner, how much money they want to spend, city stuff, also how much pushback there is. If it's, they're, they're, but, the, but the stadium's also in a pretty good spot. So maybe they couldn't find somewhere that was equally as good. And, uh, you know, with the renovating or, you know, I don't, think they're, I don't think they're completely tearing down like Minnesota did, but I think they're going to be renovating and making it, making it nice, which is good. Good for them. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to Daytona, man, it's this. I, I love this idea. I'm like, do it, you know, and think about it. I don't I guess I don't know every. The problem is with you. The the one glaring thing I have, and I could I might be missing some bike meet or something there too, so I apologize to the bike fans. But obviously, the twenty four hours of Daytona, um, is probably the one glaring issue that you'd have there for a potential playoff run. Um, we could probably get uh, a four hundred move back to July fourth for once. I mean. Yeah, they'd have to do a lot of building up uh, of uh, yeah. of the stadium, and unless they said, "Hey, well, we're just gonna the first week or two, we're just not gonna be playing at home," or the first month, we're not gonna play at home, while the NASCAR runs our August race because Daytona Beach doesn't want the race on July Fourth. Yeah, um, they, well, they wanted in August because they don't have a problem attracting people, but that's 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 that problem. But um, yeah, I, I I like it if it can happen. I think it's. Very, very cool. I think it opens up the opportunity for a lot of cool things at other tracks. Literally, uh, selfish plug. At the summer shootout last night, Steve Post and Tony Stevens, for those of you who yeah, who, who know Steve with, a, with his work in NASCAR and uh, short track racing and same thing with Tony Stevens, they were plugging, well, Marcus Smith's done all these other great ideas. With Day- Day- Daytona getting Jacksonville, maybe Marcus Smith should get the... Charlotte Hornets to play a basketball game out here in the ball field. You know, I'm like, oh, that's actually... Oh, Lord have mercy. That's not a horrible idea. I mean, we have played a basketball game on an aircraft carrier. Um, so, you know, why not? I mean, this this kind of just opens up the door for these these opportunities. I think that that they're pretty cool. So, um, even if it was just like for a season or a partial season, I don't know. Um, I think it's cool. I like the idea. If it can get done, obviously it can get done. Yeah, I mean, if, if it, it's not like it wouldn't be the first football game to be played in the NASCAR track. No, Bristol's got that one. Yeah. Um, I, there might have been another one back in the day, like on the ball field, like way, way, well, way. Well, Daytona hosted a soccer game, didn't they? Or they're going I to? Think, I think, I think so. I, I, I do, I do remember that. Well, I think we've talked about it on the show, but I, I never, ha- I can't follow it up on that with anything i don't follow soccer yeah if you listened last week you already know my problems with the mls we do know your problems with the mls yes yes 
had a lot of problems with the MLS. And yeah, she did. I think there's a substantial. I think. I think people don't want to say it, but that's the reason why they don't watch the MLS. Fair people enough. don't want to say it, but but that's the truth. All right, before I get yelled at by actual soccer fans, um, let's talk about this next thing because uh, as as we talked about last week, the 24 hours of Le Mans was last was this weekend, um, this past weekend, excuse me, and uh, we are talking about it this week. We'll we'll have some recap. We'll have some discussion about it. Uh, and, uh, if, in case you didn't know, which is, I don't know how you didn't, you could quite literally hear the car coming. You could, the car was probably the most trending thing on Twitter and TikTok even. Um, Mm -hmm. the, uh, NASCAR Garage 56 car, uh, Variety has now reported that Amazon's, Amazon Prime has struck a deal with NASCAR to film a documentary around the Garage 56 at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So I assume there's already a bunch of footage uh, to go in there, or they captured a bunch of footage this weekend. Um, and so that should be a pretty cool, uh, that should be a pretty cool documentary to see. I'll, I, I, I would, I, I guess, subscribe to, resubscribe to Prime for that. Um, I don't want to, but I will. I think uh, we're going to moving along here. Prime, uh, Rob, not to, for 2025. Oh, don't, don't, no, 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 I don't want to. Oh, I'm going to talk about the next piece of news anyway. Instead, uh, so the Chicago White Sox, who play at a stadium that has a dumb name, uh, they'll sponsor Ty Dillon and Spire Motorsports at the Chicago Street Course. So yep. that'll be kind of cool to see the Shy Sox on a car. You know, um, Josh, when I went to uh, see the Shy Sox play the Mariners a couple of years ago, and I only got to see three innings before it got rained out, uh, you know, they gave me a Chicago White Sox basketball jersey as part of, of a promotion. Hmm. The first, like, 5,000 fans or whatever got this T-shirt. So my wife and I got one. So it's only 4,900. I've never worn it. <laughs> well, okay. maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, it was like, I've never worn this. I mean... I feel like if I wear it out in public, I'm going to get looks. It, it looks like a bootleg. You know? Yeah. It looks yeah. still like a bootleg. Because it's like, it says Chicago White Sox, but it's a basketball jersey. Like, it it just looks like a bootleg. It doesn't look real. It looks like a joke. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if I, if I actually walked around Chicago with that thing, I'd get my, my butt beat. But then, but then uh, a couple months ago when I saw the Mariners play at Wrigley, I actually saw people on the street wearing it in Chicago. Yeah, I and I couldn't believe it. People in Chicago love love their uh, '90s basketball, man. I mean, I guess, but I couldn't believe someone was actually wearing the Chicago White Sox basketball jersey. That the same yeah. one that I had. I don't know if it came from the same game or not. Maybe they had excess and did the thing at another game or something. Yeah, but or maybe still, they were at the same game as you. Well, that would have been even more coincidental and, and wild. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, that, that'll always stick with me. Um, but yeah, Shy, Shy Sox sponsoring Ty Dillon. Good for Ty Dillon because I, I will be surprised if he finishes the season. Um, uh, let's move on to the next piece of news. This is a neat little nugget that dropped over the weekend. Might have been uh, overlooked a little bit. But NASCAR ambassador 
I, I call him ambassador. He's advisor, ambassador, whatever. Uh, Alvin Kamara, who plays for the New Orleans Saints, said in the Sonoma Raceway Media Center that he would like to see a NASCAR race in New Orleans and that fans at NOLA Motorsports Park consistently ask him about NASCAR and when NASCAR will be coming to NOLA, even though there's no rumblings of that even happening. So, but that's still an interesting little nugget to hear that apparently there is some demand for a NASCAR race in NOLA. Look, I mean, um, I, I mean, you look at the three most, the areas in this country that have been ignored by NASCAR in the last decade and a half. Pacific Northwest, Rocky Mountain region, and I don't know what, the, the Mississippi Delta region, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi. That the is bayou. The, the, I mean, yeah, the bayou area there. I mean, it's just been straight up ignored. Um, you know, basically Mississippi, uh, excuse me, Mississippi, uh, Memphis South. You know, that is, yeah. that, those three areas have been ignored. But Portland's got a truck, uh, Xfinity race now. Um, we got a perfectly fine racetrack in Pikes Peak sitting there. Um, but, uh, you yeah. know, and we look at New Orleans, you know, it sounds like maybe a yeah, street race there. I don't know. I, 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 New Orleans knows how to throw a party. That's all yeah. I know. They, do, they know how to throw one heck of a funeral and they know how to party while doing it. So why, why not? Why I would, I, I, I would, I'm again, I'm not for street courses, filling up the schedule, but if someone could give me a decent proposal for a street course for stock cars in new orleans i'd love to see it because i don't think nola motorsports park is gonna it's not gonna have the infrastructure to do um a cup race at the moment so you kind of would have to bring the infrastructure to either a street course or that course so i would just i'm i'm i hey, new orleans i'm excited for it i say do it i want to see it i want to see a plan Dude, it's it's time to update nola it's time to update Nola Motorsports Park. I mean, it's a good track. It's in a good look. I mean, it's not in a great location, but it's in a decent location. Um, it's just, it, it needs help. It needs help being able to attract something bigger than what it's got now. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the next piece of news here. This is, this was random. I never expected this. This came out of nowhere, but I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Uh, Kamui Kobayashi is going to make his first NASCAR Cup Series start this August at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, driving for 2311's number 67 entry. I love this. This is a great, great thing to see. I love Kamui Kobayashi. Um, I love him in Super Formula. I love watching him in Super Formula. I love watching him in WEC at Le Mans. Uh, I, I loved watching him in F1. Kobayashi is a great driver, and this will be a great uh, addition to the NASCAR series, and it, it marks another F1 driver that will run NASCAR. I mean, we got Raikkonen, we've had Raikkonen, we've had Jensen Button, and now we have Kamoi Kobayashi yeah. is joining the list of former F1 drivers racing in NASCAR. And last year, I think we forget that Danny Kafiat ran a couple of NASCAR races. Yep. Uh, you know, at, at, and Jacques Villeneuve. 97 F1 champion, one ran uh, last year's Daytona 500. So a lot, lot of F1 drivers really are coming on over, and I'm more than happy to see that. I think that's great, especially given F1's boom in the last uh, couple of years. I think that's only good for motorsports as a whole and, and NASCAR and F1, you know, really expanding both, both of their fan bases, hopefully. I mean, 
the Twitter discourse says differently, right? You know? Yeah. The, the, the Twitter discourse always says differently. Uh, yeah. Always does. It happened. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on to this next piece of news here. Now, this was a little bit more surprising. I didn't see it coming, but, you know, still wishing the best for him. Uh, Noah Gregson missed Sonoma with concussion-like symptoms stemming from his accident a couple of weeks ago at Gateway. Uh, Grant Enfinger filled in for him, making what I believe was his first official cup start. I know he had attempted um, a race before. I don't know if he made that race in 2011 mm, that's um, a great question i do not know i don't think he did i i'd have to look that up real quick i can't remember some people said it was his first start some people said it wasn't i never i didn't look into it like i should have i probably should have but it is what it is uh but anyway yeah wishing the best for noah hoping he is able to uh recover and and be back at the track at nashville yep um Final piece of news here, and uh, we'll talk about this more on the show. We, I talked, I alluded to it earlier uh, when we were discussing how the Canadian Grand Prix is going to go on. But SBJ, the Sports Minister Business Journal, reports that NASCAR has entered talks with Circuit Gilles Villeneuve for a possible return in 2024, including the Cup Series. How about this? How about this? We'll talk about this later in the show. We, this will be part of the upshift downshift segment. Yep. So hold your hold your opinions, hold your opinions, or scream them out now. We we're going to get to you. No, you're right. Scream them well, out in your car. Who cares? Yeah. Right. So, uh, Josh, I'll turn the ho- go ahead and turn the show over back to you, and we will jump right on in to our uh, featured paint scheme of the week. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've been doing some different. Uh, Different paint schemes here lately, uh, different look at it. We've been doing, like, specific driver paint schemes. Last week we did the Le Mans, you know, our standout Le Mans paint scheme. You know, one of my favorite things to do on here, We I forget when we first did this, but doing a worst paint scheme, uh, worst 2008 NASCAR Sprint Cup Series scheme. That is that is the featured paint scheme this week. So we, we kind of combed through. Um, I had one right off in mind. Uh, and I kind of went through just saying, like, is there anything else I can top this in my book? And uh, so I love picking the worst schemes. And I know that might sound sadistic to some people. Um, our paint scheme designers from circa 2008 probably aren't going to like us. But we love doing this. We love, you know, we don't like this to talk about the good ones. We like to talk about the bad ones, too. Uh, so... Feature paint scheme, worst 2008 NASCAR Sprint Cup Series scheme. Rob, what did you pick? Yeah, this one was, uh, I, I scoured J-Ski trying to find the, the, the best one, the right one. Um, and uh, I think I came up with one. I came up with one that really I don't like. I, I just, I don't like it. Um, and it's got to be Dario Franchitti's number 40 Catamettle Dodge Charger. Remember when Dario ran NASCAR? I do. Oh, yes. Yeah, this yeah. this was a this really was bizarre time where we had um where 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 we had um we had Sam Hornish, we had Patrick Carpentier, we had Dario Franchitti. Um there were at the time there were rumors about Danica Patrick that would come later and you know that would come true two years later. Yeah. Um 
and then uh, it was, it, it, you know, it, there, there was Jacques Villeneuve who made even an attempt in 2008. I think he tried to run the 500. Um, so there was a big, there, that was the original open wheel invasion mm-hmm. in the NASCAR world. And Dario came over here, ran some races with Chip Ganassi Racing, and it didn't go so well, not like anybody thought it would. Um, but he did have actually some really good paint schemes that I really liked. Um, the in-first target one was one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Um, good one. That one. I, I, I did like the, um, his car that he, the Fastenal car was good. The, the Hartford car was good. Um, he had some good paint schemes. Even the one, even the one he won, ran in the Daytona 500, I think that's a bit of a controversial opinion. I, I think that one's kind of more polarizing, maybe. That one is, um, that one is a bit opinion, more controversial, yes. I liked the baby blue. I liked the powdered blue. It did look good. Uh, I mean, I like it. Uh, yeah. Not my favorite, but I don't dislike it. No, but uh, the one that I do actually dislike is this Kenna Metal Dodge Charger. So uh, this has to be one of the worst paint schemes he ran. I mean, I don't understand how a car that has full sponsorship is this white. I mean, it's white. It, they didn't. They, it's not even a paint scheme. It's barely a paint scheme. They just threw a can of white paint on here and thought, okay, how can we differentiate this up? How can we make this cool? Okay, oh, let's let's take a, a yellow stripe and paint it on the bottom and call it a day. Yeah. And that's that's what they did. That's what they did. So I didn't like this at all. This was awful. I thought it was awful back when I was younger, back when this car was running, and I still think it's awful now. Um, now, thankfully, thankfully, this scheme was put out of its misery early because he ran this scheme – Basically only once uh, at Martinsville, um, and he finished 22nd in the spring Martinsville race. Uh, and then uh, the car was entered at Texas, and that was actually Dario's first DNQ of the year. So maybe if they just ran a better paint scheme, he wouldn't have DNQ'd, right? Maybe. Oh, yeah. um, and, then, and then this car saw the light of day just once more, this paint scheme, at Richmond. But it wasn't driven by Dario. It was driven by Ken Schrader because Frank Keaty, uh, you may or may not know, was injured in um, a, a crash in, at Talladega in the Nationwide Series, broke his leg. Cause it was it Larry Gunselman who slammed into him? Like Arca braked right on into the driver's side door, I think. Um, yes, I believe and, but, so. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but, 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 wasn't that right caused by Ke- – was that a Kevin LePage wreck though? It was the same race. It was the same race. Okay. But no, it wasn't the same crash. Dario blew a tire on the backstretch going into turn three. And basically everybody missed him except for the 91 who was putzing around on the bottom, like on the apron. Dario's car came off the banking and he just slammed right into it. That's right. Broke, Broke Dario's leg. Just straight up broke Dario's leg. That's right. Um. Uh, but thankfully, the final appearance for this car uh, never actually had to to take the green flag because Ken Schrader uh, ran this car, but because the car wasn't high enough in owner's points and qualifying was rained out, this car DNQ'd. So thankfully, thankfully, we didn't have to endure this car for, for very long. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, I think mine is, I don't know, mine's probably controversial. But it's in this. This is this is like a five year stint of schemes that just bug the ever living crap out of me. But we picked away 
And trust me, I like you come through, try to find one. Like, can I top my hatred for this paint scheme? Can I do it? And I couldn't. It's Casey Mears' regular scheme. The yellow, blue, and red on uh, uh, that, that was familiar on Kyle Busch's 06 and 07 schemes were once again present. Uh, some changes, there were some minor tweaks, but it was essentially sort of the same idea. And it was just uglier than Sin. And and the way they would change it up with, with CarQuest or Cheese it or Kellogg's was on the front was just absolutely horrible. This scheme from, okay, the original Kyle Busch scheme from 05 was good. I liked it. When I opened up that NASCAR press guide back in, back in whenever that was, January or February, I'm like, this is an awesome paint scheme. I actually think it was February because I think my grandma got it, got, grandma, grandpa got it for me for a Valentine's Day gift, believe it or not. Um, but open that up. I'm like, that's a great scheme. It's then they ruined it and they continued to ruin it and they continued to run a ruined paint scheme. I'm not even going to go into it with statistics because I don't want to give it any more credit than it does. It's horrible. Um, so yeah, Kellogg's didn't have, I don't know. Carl Edwards schemes were okay when he got Kellogg, when Kellogg's went to Roush Fenway at the time. But yeah, when it was driven by Kyle, then Casey for the one year and then Mark Martin, horrible. But 08, this one was a, this one was horrible by far. Yours is yours is bad. I think mine's worse. So, look, man, I agree with you. I don't when when they really started ruining the Kellogg schemes when they started screwing up the front bumper with yes blue accent or whatever. It's, well, the blue like flares, and I'm like, first off, it, it the OG. Nah, it's not, not. It's not really the OG, but it's in my opinion the best. I'm sorry, is like the O one to O four schemes that Terry Labonte ran. Those are my favorite Kellogg schemes. When I think honestly, when I honestly do think of Kellogg's and NASCAR, it's that. Then you think, then you go do the. I don't even the, hate the the two thousand one. The the two thousand one was was solid. I do like to I prefer the like the ninety six era of Kellogg yeah, in the cornflakes. The, the, the two thousand one's a little bit more controversial, but I still like it. I don't yeah. care what anybody says; I'll still like it. So yeah, then they came out with a brand new, fresh look for Kyle, and it just, it just, they had something good, and then they went away. I don't know what happened. So, all right, that's the worst paint scheme, two thousand eight. I think we had two good ones there. Um, and you know, hey, it's full COT era, so can't go wrong picking a bad scheme with that one. So let's go to the upshift downshift segment. Uh, you're familiar, you know what this is. If you're new or newer, we'll give you a tutorial. Refresher, uh, a rundown of how it works. Upshift, we agree. Downshift, we disagree. We can throw it into neutral as well. Uh, if we're on the fence, sometimes we'll upshift in downshift too, which in hindsight is just also just throwing it into neutral because you know that's just the way it works. One minus one is zero, you know, it's neutral. So, first question here. Commercials were a hot-button topic again this week in NASCAR. Do you upshift or downshift that TV broadcasters should sell entire races to a specific company in building in NASCAR-related sponsorship advertisements to minimize commercial breaks? You know what? I mean, this, this, one, this one's a tough one because I think we still have to understand the economics of television. 
you know, we're especially when we're talking about, you know, how expensive these media contracts are and how much NASCAR and other properties are are asking, you know, because they have you know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the the TV partner is basically subsidizing a whole ton of costs for these by by selling the by buying these basically overpriced media rights. And they got to do they got to make up that money somehow. I mean, the, the they're going to lose money. They're spending so much money that they ha- and they have to make it back. And how they do it, they they do advertising. And people will always sit there and say, "Oh, well why why do they, you know, why do they have to put so many ads? Why can't they just do side by side? Why can't they just do this, this and this?" And I'm like, "It's not that simple." It never has been that simple. Everybody thinks it's so simple. We could just get rid of ads. We could just sell all this. It's like you're, it's it's gonna be so hard. It's just gonna be so hard to do something like what ESPN does with F1. I mean, look, look, and the reason why this, and I think I brought this up before, is ESPN pays the bare minimum for F1 rights. Yeah, even though F1 charged them a little bit more, ESPN still doesn't have to actually invest anything i mean they get this they get the world the world feed the sky sports feed and that's that you know they don't have to do anything else fox and nbc both have to produce everything they have to produce the pre-race show the post-race show they have to produce the they have you know they have to hire the camera operators they have to hire the the race directors they have to hire the talent they have to hire you know they have to, to pay for the talent. They have to pay for the media hospitality. You know, it's not cheap to do this. It's not, it's, it's just not cheap. So, you know, when I, 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 I look at this, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I don't know how you can, I don't know how this is even possible. I think the only feasible way, and, and, and Fox has said that, I think Mike Joy has, has alluded to this before. Um, at the fact that there's, um, you know, they, they get less money from the side-by-side. They, they can't charge as much for the side-by-side. And, uh, you know, that's tough, you know? That is so tough because I feel like if they were able to charge the same amount as as for side by side commercials as they do for full screen commercials, I feel like it would save a lot of headaches and a lot of NASCAR fans a lot of issues. Um, but I, I don't I don't know what they do. I I don't know how how you can even potentially think about. I don't even know how you do that. Like I, it's just going to be so hard. It's going to be so difficult to be able to sell advertisements when peop when 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 the companies know that it's not even going to be the full screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. I I don't know what we do. I don't know what we do. I think I got to downshift this though. I don't know if that's the way to go. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. That's just what we we got to go. What 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 are your thoughts, Josh? You know, yeah, like you, it's tough. I mean, the, the commercials at Sonoma were absolutely atrocious. It was horrible. The there to me, it seemed like their strategy was let's 
let's let's front load the race with all these commercials, and at the end we'll we'll have less. Well, you're just gonna make people mad at, at, if you front load, right? You're gonna turn them off. I was turned off. I was like, okay, screw this. I'm gonna mess with my phone. I was getting turned off by the commercials. And again, I understand, you know, the, the economics of why Sky Sports can 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 do a commercial free broadcast in there is their TV economics, as you alluded to earlier, is different than uh, than here. Let alone the ESPN deal, I would be able to go commercial free. I don't know. I mean, it just there's got to be. I don't. What I don't want to hear from someone like, well, that's not, that's not the way it's done, or that's not the way we. That, that's not the way we've done it in the past. If NASCAR, NASCAR's very inventive, we we clearly tried many things. Is there is there a way we can reinvent how television is done in America via this? I don't know. I I upshift that something has to be done at least. Something has to change. Um, the philosophy obviously has to change. Um, on how they stack commercials because to me like they there's one time they 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 went to commercial two laps after coming back and then they went to commercial two laps after a restart i'm like what what are we doing here the commercial with 10 to go was unacceptable the commercial with 10 to go was absolutely unacceptable and just it 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 needs something needs to change so like i'm saying like okay if i'm fox and i'm looking at the people okay who has sponsored every single race this year or has bought sponsorship or commercial advertising in each race this year. All right, you have? All right, you spent the equivalent of a total of three races. How about you buy three races worth of stuff? Now, we have to build in NASCAR-related commercials for upcoming races, right? But why don't you buy three races worth of stuff, of commercial time, and we will give you build-in time. We will put a, you know, let's say it's Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola banner on the top. Whatever you know, we can or Coca Cola presented by Coca Cola on the bottom corner, like uh, ESPN did. You know, presented by Mother's whatever it was, a uh, uh, Mother's Polish for their F one races. I I don't know. I'm trying to think outside the box to help because again, racing now at road courses only has has zero built in cautions. Ovals have two built in cautions for now. Um. I don't. What can we do to, to to limit the interruptions? You know, I think that would be. I don't know. We got there's got to be something we can do. There's got to be something else that they can try. I know that's you know, we can. TV has evolved. TV's not the same that it, that it was in 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 1950, right? It's not the same. What can we do for the next 73 years? You know what I mean? All right. Should uh, next one here should ESPN offer their own broadcast team to commentate Formula One races with Daniel Ricciardo as a color analyst uh, in 2024? Do you upshift or downshift? You know, it's funny that we talk about this because I just made the note that you know ESPN doesn't pay for anything; they don't have to hire color commentators, which saves them money in the long run when it comes to broadcasting Formula One. But um, I will actually say that I would I would favor that because not to say that not to say that like the F one commentary team is bad. I mean I mean I like Crofty. I mean some people don't. I do. 
I like Martin Brundle. Some people don't. I do. Um, but I think also a lot of people miss the days of that U.S. centric commentaries team, where yeah. it was uh, Varsha, Hobbs, and Matchett. You know, everybody liked that. I liked that. That was my childhood. That's what I think about all the time when I think about F1, is how those three guys brought me into the sport. Um, but you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate to see it, especially you know. It, it, again, it doesn't have to be something that is is on the main ESPN. You know, it can be. It can be something on ESPN Plus. You know, because they put they, they put all the F one races on ESPN Plus. So you could say, okay, well, if you want to watch the the main race, then you watch it on ESPN. But if you, I mean, you do it like a, you know, like they they have the Peyton and Eli for Monday Night Football. Yeah. You know, ESPN does something something like this for Formula One, you know, where maybe maybe it's more entertaining, you know, because there's a different there's a different aspect of it. Because I think there's there's more there's race fans like you and me, Josh, who might like to watch the race and know what's going on from a strategy point, from a technological point, all those things. And then there's the uh and then and then there's the fans that, that might just want to be entertained when they tune in and watch F1. You know, they don't necessarily know or understand or want to know the intricacies of what what you and I enjoy. Right. And they would like a more entertaining broadcast. And, and, and like I said, I think we've seen the success of that Peyton and Eli on Monday Night Football. And I think it's gone done done really well for them. I think it has, um, yeah, 100%. So I think I think that's probably the way I think they should start going. I, I because I think it I think it would it would bolster F one their F one ratings and views overall viewership. Like, like I said, even if this is on ESPN Plus only, that's still <laughs> that's still not a bad thing. You know, that still gives people another another option and another way to watch Formula One that might be more entertaining. And and it could help slow the bubble pop because we know this bubble is going to pop right oh, we, we yeah. know it's going to happen okay this is a bubble we've seen bubbles pop before nascar had this thing happen indycar did it to themselves i mean it was a self-inflicted bubble popping but their bubble did pop um and it's going to happen with nascar with with f1 too i mean nascar didn't necessarily do anything it was just the bubble popped the economy crashed People tuned out. People found different ways to spend their money, and it wasn't on going to NASCAR races anymore. And companies found different ways to invest their money and invest their, um, you know, their their profits in their advertising budgets, and it wasn't a NASCAR anymore. That's just what happened. You know, I mean, we can we can point to a bunch of other things, but mainly it was that. So you know, and, and NAS, I think if NASCAR had really capitalized on its mainstream success with something that gave people a different perspective on NASCAR. That maybe gave people more of an entertainment style of NASCAR. I think that would that would have been successful. But it's, but that's why I think F1, if F1 is doing this, then this is this is the right way to go. Yeah, I mean, I agree one hundred percent. But I, I don't. I don't even know if that, that could be one step to it. Uh, doing a a 
entertainment take like you have described, which I fully like. But uh, you know, and I know it's cutting in, but what if you add that that kind of a flavor? Like, all right, let's let's throw it to Daniel Ricardo real quick. Well, Danny, you know, or the studio, because this could also be a really cheap setup as well. You know, what what are your thoughts in this race right now? Getting another person's perspective because obviously, you know, you said Daniel Ricardo, he's a he's a recent driver. Martin hasn't been in the car in thirty years or twenty five years, whatever it has been. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, is my point. And Crofty isn't an American commentator. Is there is there two people in? Is there a person in ESPN and in, in, in that can go with Daniel Ricardo that? can capture the ESPN audiences that Crofty and Ronald Camp. So, I don't know. Uh, see, I don't mind I don't mind Crofty and I don't mind Martin either. So, uh, but I understand people who don't. So, I don't know. I, I, I think they got, they kind of got a good thing going there, but I would rather see him do some sort of entertainment thing like you mentioned. Um, so I really can't really add any more to that other than just to ramble on. So I'll upshift for an entertainment, uh, entertainment edition, like on an ESPN plus. All right. Next one here, the 2024 world endurance championship calendar adds an eighth event drops Sebring international raceway in Florida and will, but will return to circuit of the Americas in Texas. Do you upshift or downshift? You know what? I got to give this one an upshift. Uh, I think this is the right way to go for WEC. First of all, I missed the Lone Star Lamont, and I'm just so happy to have it back. Um, it was a, a, an event that never should have been dropped from the calendar in the first place. Um, I will say that um, I will say that the race at Sebring, the 1,000 miles of Sebring, I don't think it got. It was very weird to have a WEC race playing a support race to an IMSA race. Not saying that that's necessarily bad. I mean, IMSA is big in and of itself, but, like, WEC is supposed to be, like, you know, the F1 of sports car racing, you know? And to have it play a support role to Sebring was just kind of weird. And then it made me think, like, does Sebring even really need this? Need need this? Like, because everybody's here for the 12 hours. Yeah. Like, and besides, this race is on Friday. Like, how many people are, I mean, how many people are actually watching this? The Friday during the day and the Friday afternoon. I I don't think very many people. So I have to say, um, yeah, I've got to, I've got to go with um, an upshift this. This is good. This is a good, good, good decision by the WEC to, to return to, to Circuit of the Americas. And, you know, it's going to be a bummer to to kind of see that Sebring Super Weekend die off, but I mean, I don't think it really accomplished what it what it intended to accomplish. So, yeah, yeah, I'm giving that an upshift. I'm happy to see it. Yeah, I don't think your WC was going to have success, and don't shoot me. I'm just saying. I think a fact, uh, what I believe to be a fact, more I guess is more of an opinion then, but I don't think it would be, I, I don't think a WC could have su- uh, succeeded in, in Sebring without it being sort of like this joint IMSA race, being a part of the 12 hours. I don't think it could have done that. So being that support race, like you said, and being this weird thousand mile race was just not, not it. Um, 
And then you look at the, you know, you it's FIA and and it, this the Formula One, supposedly the Formula One of uh, of the sports car world. When you look at Sebring and you look at Coda, one is clearly a more world class facility than the other, and I'm not knocking Sebring. Uh, the racing that it puts on and, and, and its significance in the sports car world, but WC, you're 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 traveling around the world. I just think it, Dakota is a better place for it uh, in the states, anyways. And yeah, I mean, seeing another sports car race on the calendar is obviously great to see. And uh, yeah, I, I, Coda, one hundred percent more events there. That's good for. That's good for the NASCAR stuff. That's good for Formula One. That's good for the bikes. That's good for everything at, at Circuit of the Americas. So uh, kind of hard to downshift that. So it's a very easy upshift in that in that is it sense. All right, Connor Daly finds a full-time ride for the 2024 IndyCar Series season. Do you upshift or downshift? Oh, boy, this one's tough. This one is tough. I am going to have to downshift, though. You know what? I like Connor Daly. I love him. I think he's great for the series. I think he's a great ambassador for the sport. But I have to say that I just don't know. I just don't know that. I just don't know that IndyCar is the right place for him right now. Um, I think there was a time where absolutely I saw Connor Daly as as an up and comer and as someone who would probably win multiple races but i mean i think people have pointed out you know he's one of the few indycar drivers that has you know what 300 400 starts and no wins it statistically you would have thought he would have gotten a win at some point and i understand you know okay he ran this season with aj Foyt. yeah okay whatever but, but dude i mean vk was winning races and running up front where were you bud and now ECR as a whole is kind of struggling this year. And I'm not, I don't think that them firing Connor Daly and getting Ryan Hunter Ray is going to do anything. I think, I think it's just a band aid for a bigger problem that the team has right now. Um, but that's not, that's not for this discussion. Um, you know, I, I just, I just think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be really tough, especially right now. I mean, there's 27 full time cars as it is, sometimes 28. And I just don't know if Daly is going to be able to break break in. I mean, some other funded driver is going to have to lose their funding. And Daly's going to have to break. Because, I mean, the problem Daly's always had is is funding. You know, he's always he's always had the struggle with funding and, and getting funding and um and and getting sponsorship and then once he does well it's bitcoin it's a bitcoin it's bit nile it's and you know they're still with ed carpenter and ed carpenter fired daily so where's daily gonna go you know anywhere he goes is he gonna have that bitcoins that bit nile sponsorship i don't know probably not and that's gonna be problematic for him so yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and, again, I downshift this. I think it's just going to be really, really hard. I hope I hope I'm wrong. Don't get me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. This is a situation where it's like I don't – I'm not hoping that Connor Daly can't get back into IndyCar. I hope that he can or at the very least around the 500, but which is honestly where he's had most of his IndyCar success at IMS. Yeah. You know, he's got one of his best finishes ever in the road course. 
Uh, he's, he's typically a top 10 finisher at IMS. I mean, he finished top 10 this past year. So it's not like he's a slouch, but it's it's just tough for me to 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 see him getting any any ride that's above mid pack at this point. Right. I mean, I downshift too. I mean, look, you can you can cross off Team Penske, you can cross off Andretti, you can cross off Ganassi, you can cross off McLaren. That's three, four three or four and four cars off off the off the grid right there you know so oh, oh, over half the grid is already a no for it for connor daly right i just don't see i don't see any team adding on the, like in, on the second half of the field adding a car and him bringing the new funding to drive it I think Connor needs to. I think I think he needs to. He neither he has to put his focus on the five hundred. I think for twenty four right now, finding funding for that, and then going out and finding a a ride. Um, because I think that, again, like you mentioned, he's had most of his success at Indianapolis Road Course or Oval, and fans love him there at the Indianapolis five hundred. Obviously, a hometown boy. Um. I think he's just kind of run his 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 life cycle there in Indianapolis uh, or IndyCar. Maybe try to focus on on other things and and keep doing your podcast. He's very passionate about IndyCar. I know he is. You know, you can just tell on his podcast he wants what's best for it. He's he's frustrated with the state of the series, state of management. He wants something better for that. For IndyCar moving forward, he wants to see IndyCar enjoy the same numbers as NASCAR. He wants to see IndyCar, and I think he wants it for all of North American motorsports because he's very critical of Formula One. Um, I think he wants to see American motorsports get the same recognition and appreciation that international series do. I just hope he. I just hope he, he. He can find something that he says he's happy with, that he has a lot of fun doing, and he's able to have at least competitiveness, success, um, if not some wins, and hopefully he can be in the Indianapolis 500. But no, I don't see a spot opening up for him in the back half of the field for 24. Um, and if you're out of the car for 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 too long, you're just you're playing catch up, and you can't catch up. So hopefully, hopefully he can find, hopefully he can find one for something for 25 if possible. Who knows? You never know. Of course, we never know what's going to happen with, with anyone out there. There's been some surprise like, oh, wow, that person's leaving that team before that absolutely does happen. So maybe something else would come along in his way and we'll see him in the car in 24. Who knows? We just, we just don't know, but I just don't see it happening like you, Rob. So I downshift. All right. The next one here, the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa Freaking Chomps. Should be a permanent inclusion on the Formula One calendar. Do you upshift or downshift? Upshift. Next next question. Yes, I, I'm glad that was quick. No discussion needed. Belgium Grand Prix at Spa should be one of the 10 to 15 permanent races on the circuit. Like, there's no question it needs to be there. 
when you make a calendar up, like, okay, where's the other 10 races coming from? You know, if they're going to do 25 races. Or where's the other 7 to 10 races coming from? Where are they going to be at? Right? Spa is not a part of that part of the conversation. It is a permanent race. So, yes, it would have been great if South Africa had its crap together and weren't aligning themselves with Russia. That it would be great to return to the South Africa Grand Prix back in Dakalyami. That would be great. But it certainly shouldn't come at the expense of Spa. It should come at the expense of, I'm sorry, one of the Middle Eastern races. But they're writing big checks, and I'm going to leave it at that. On to the next question. After seeing the racing community's reaction to NASCAR's Garage 56 at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, does more of NASCAR's international expansion need to be focused on Europe? Do you upshift or downshift? You know what? This one is very interesting. I do definitely think that this Garage 56 car needs to be preserved and and continue to be showcased as often as possible. Um, I had a good discussion on Twitter about it, um, and I I said, you know, I think a good a good way to do this, not just in Europe, but then across the world, I said, would be to take this car and and run it at Goodwood, uh-huh. you know, run it in, run it in the Goodwood Festival of Speed, you know, show give people another opportunity to see this thing, give people another opportunity to hear this thing. You know, because I think a lot of pe- people who are at Le Mans had such a huge reaction to it and such a positive reaction to it, and it generated so much buzz that I think NASCAR would be silly not to capitalize on it. On, on it. And I even said, you know, don't just stop at Europe. Go one step further. You know, I yeah, go showcase it over at Goodwood, but then go down under and have it run demo laps at Bathurst. I'm yeah. not, you know, not, I'm not saying, you know, just run demo laps i mean it's, it, this wouldn't be the first time demo laps would be run at bathurst it means it's 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 very common i mean this is a chevrolet car chevrolet is in supercars now uh i think it would be a great way to cross promote i mean you've got svg running a nascar race coming up here in a couple of weeks you've got brody kostecki in in talks with it you know it would be i think it would be a great opportunity it, it's a great opportunity to bring everybody together you know Bring the whole motorsports world together behind this hulking beast of a cup car. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I loved it. Uh, to be honest with you, as much as, and, and this is maybe, I'm trying not to get off topic, but this might be a little bit off topic, but I loved watching this car at Le Mans. You know, I have, I have always enjoyed watching Le Mans, and I'm always excited, you know, to watch the overall battles. You know, I always like watching the, the GT battles and, and everything. But, but with this, I was just constantly wondering, where is it? Where is this car? You know, where, how far has it, it moved up? And it, I just kept being amazed. Like, it just kept making its way through the field. It just kept passing cars. And then I keep seeing videos on Twitter and, and on Instagram and people posting uh, TikToks to Twitter so that I can see them because I don't use TikTok. And just all of these shots of this car, the, the car passing GT cars and LMP2 cars with ease. Um, you know, I'm like, this is awesome. This is so cool. This is one of the most, this is probably the coolest thing I've probably ever seen uh, at Le Mans. And I've seen a lot of cool things at Le Mans. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to discount anything. That I, th- there's been a lot of cool things that I've seen at Le Mans. I don't want to discount anything. But 
I mean, this has got to be up there, if not the the coolest thing, right? Just because, just I mean, this is insane. A cup car was running around Le Mans C- competitively, racing competitively. Yeah, um, it, it's so cool. I I just think they've got to to capitalize on this, and I think that they have a great opportunity to do that. Like I said, run this thing at Goodwood, run this thing a couple of demo laps at Bathurst. You know, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know of what other places you could probably run it, but um, you know, I I just I just upshift this. This is a great. This is a great thing, and you know, I know that they say okay, it might be. I, I found out later, you know, as much as I want like a whole you know road racing series with these cars, I guess that would be highly expensive and almost not worth it. But I still think that preserve this car and and make sure it keeps running. So that we can show what NASCAR is now to the rest of the world. Oh yeah, I mean, look, I I think it's it, it, I know. First off, let's start with this. I know NASCAR wants a standardized car for its international series. So the Brazil series, Mexico series, can the Canada series, the 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 European modified or European modified European. Wheel and Euro series. Yes, thank you. I would. I always mix up the modified. Now I always like to make pretend that it's a modified series over there in Europe. I'm sorry to everybody and the modified community. Um, I know they want a standardized car. I don't think this is it, but there was a lot of people there in in Le Mans that were like, "Wow, I think I think this car changed the opinion of NASCAR to people." Now the sad part is they turned, they went around and they 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 maybe turned on the race on Sunday wherever they were in the world and watched the Sonoma race and were like, "What the heck are we watching?" Again, we got a lot to work on on the actual next gen car, clearly. Um, but I hope that the people there are like, okay, let's let's look let's look closer to NASCAR. These guys clearly know how to build a race car. They were outrunning people who who have spent years developing these cars, developing the Arrow, and they're kicking our butts. What's going on? What can we do better? You know, I mean, it finished 39th, but it absolutely deserved to finish higher if it weren't for some mechanical issues. And that was the impressive part. And even then, I think they surprised themselves. So from the international expansion side... I do think they need to focus, shift like a little bit more attention to the European side. What can we do to boost the Euro series with a new car? And can we base a new car around what we learned and developed with the Garage 56 Chevrolet? What can we do? What can we, what can we try to find? Um, Again, obviously, if this race happened and if you're happening and, and, and everyone gets his attention and in Australia, you probably say you need to focus on Australia, but Europe, there's, there's a reason they were in the lawn. There's an international race. It's the, one of the three crown jewels in, in all of the sports, all of auto racing. So I like, I, I like the idea of NASCAR focusing more on, on Europe. I understand why you want to get break into South America, why you want to build your Mexico and uh, your Mexican and Canadian markets because obviously that borders your home three series in the United States where they're bay where they're primarily racing. So yeah. Um 
you know, like you, uh, Goodwood, that'd be great. Demo Laps and Bathurst be great. Um, I mean, even if you could say like, hey, is there is there another race next year on the WEC calendar that we could go to that's not Le Mans that we could tag along? Not Coda, because you're going to be in the United States, but anywhere else. Fiji, you know, Fuji, maybe? Why not go there? Run some demo laps? Suzuka? Suzuka? Why, yeah. Why not? I think it'd be great. Let's see it. So, yeah. Uh, overall, fantastic outing. I think it opened up a lot of eyes to a lot of people who maybe had their eyes closed on NASCAR. All right, this one. Uh, a loose wheel on pit road at Sonoma brought out a caution in the cup race. Do you upshift or downshift that pit roads with walls separating the racing surface from from pit road should have more common sense to retrieve equipment such as tires? You know what? I do I do upshift this. I think this was the dumbest caution. I, I, I know why they're... A lot of the cautions that they threw were... Just, I don't understand why we're throwing them. Um... It 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 is what it is. Uh, we um, I think that you know the the loose wheel on pit road was just kind of silly. I I feel like it's I understand throwing a caution for it. You know, if you're at a place like Texas or Las Vegas or Charlotte or something, you know, where there's no or Atlanta, you know, where there's no wall between the pit road and and, and the racing surface or the grass. But at Sonoma, there's a wall there. Okay. You can go get that tire when there's no cars on pit road. You know, you yeah. can go get that and roll it back. And, you know, obviously you don't want a crew member to do it because that's a penalty. But an, a, a NASCAR official can go do that when it's safe. You don't need to call a caution. You don't need to slow the whole you, – you, you don't need to slow the entire race down for debris that's not even on the racing surface. The drivers won't even be coming to at full speed. It just seems completely ridiculous. Now, you know, I, I can see different arguments about, like, you know, maybe the Hamlin deal. That's a different thing. But the, the loose wheel on pit road, that's – there's no reason for that. There's no reason, especially when there's a pit wall there. If, if that tire had rolled out under the racing surface, then, yeah, of course, call, call a caution. That's common sense, right? But if it's not even on the racing surface – and from what I remember from the pit stop, that was – there was, like, maybe one or two cars on, on pit road. Just wait till there's no cars. Go retrieve the tire and, and, and be done with it. Like, why do we need to slow the whole field down? Like, do we have to throw a caution so that we could close pit road? Like, is that is that what we had to do? Like, I mean, why not just close pit road and say, hey, pit road's not safe right now. We're going to close it and then reopen it. Like, can they not do that? Is that not in the rules? Like, I, this just seemed like the most pointless penalty. And it, it, it seemed like one of those, uh, another one of those invisibly cautions from the 2000s, you know, entertainment caution. You know, they're like, oh, we didn't have stages in this race. Uh, and Brett Griffin is getting all upset about it on Twitter. So we better do something about it. Throw a yellow for whatever. Now, that's literally what it sounded like. That's literally what it seemed like. They were re race direct, race control was reading Twitter. And people were upset because the race was too boring and there weren't enough cautions. So they threw a caution just whenever they felt like they could. You know, when they, whenever they felt like they had a re legitimate reason to throw a caution. And I was like, no. I know that's not ha – that didn't actually happen, by the way. I'm being flippant, okay? But 
it still seems ridiculous to me that we're throwing a caution for something that's not even on the racing surface and not closing pit road when it's on pit road. Like, I, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, this is this is maybe uh, aside from Spa, this might be the easiest upshift of the day. Um, this when I came out, I was like, "What?" There weren't that many cars on pit road. I don't even care. I don't even care if 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 the crew member wants to go get it and they have permission from NASCAR's official, go do it. That's fine. Go do it. Go, hey buddy, you can go get that tire. Um, or if it, it, you know, if their worry is I'm not taking a shot at every single official in NASCAR, so don't hate me, but you're afraid like oh, our officials aren't fit enough to go do that, then that's another problem. But got that was not a that was not a caution. That was absolutely an entertainment caution, and it I, I it's I'm so removed and from where that where that was in the race, but that's a that's a very silly thing to have potentially play effect on strategy and with that said like you said keep close pit road i don't think you can close pit road without a caution because that could affect like i'm being punished because someone's wheel got got loose on pit road i can't pit now i'm going to run out of gas or i'm going to lose so much time i'm going to lose positions on track especially on a road course right um to to the guy i'm chasing or who's chasing me i need to pit now i can't be penalized for something like that just there was no there was a, there was a window of opportunity on uh, on pit road for someone to go get that tire and not have to worry about it right mm-hmm. very frustrating to see very much a uh, a Brian France caution and yeah i i think uh, when i think about it there was maybe what was, was that the first caution of the day and Denny Hamlin was the second when he Spun and crash. I want to say, yeah. I want to say. Okay, so yeah, I, I, I can't. I love the strategy part of it, man. You were you were hearing some maybe guys are going to stop more than others, and um, how far you wanted to go and push it. I loved it. I loved what I was seeing and hearing. Um, from the uh, that's why we don't have stage cautions in 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 road courses because it's opened up the playbook. It's made the racing better. And speaking of, let's just move on to the next one. NASCAR will eliminate stage cautions for ovals by the start of the 2025 season. Do you have to for downshift? You know what? I hope so. I hope so. I certainly hope so. Now, I'm, I'm going to try and get to my upshift or downshift. I, I'm trying to try and get to my answer. But um, I will say I was very concerned with the amount of things I was reading on Twitter from people just say, oh, this race is boring because it doesn't have any restarts. It's like, well, this is this is the problem that we have. This is a problem that we've created in modern NASCAR where a race is boring if the cars aren't bunched up together and constantly side by side and running into each other and wrecking each other. You know, it used to be it used to be you just appreciate a good pit strategy. It used to be you just appreciated, you know, the ability to control a race. You used to be able to appreciate when a driver was just really, really good. I mean, no, of course, you don't like it. Nobody likes when a driver is really good, or nobody likes when, you know, there's not a lot of action. But that doesn't mean we have to resort to artificially spicing it up, you know? Yeah. And I've always said that. We can't artificially... The thing that makes racing racing a lot of the times is the fact that we don't artificially create these things. You know, and I don't like how NASCAR has made so many rules 
in order to artificially make so many big moments. You know, all these crazy moments and all these crazy happenings. You know, as people have said all the time, if every moment is a Game 7 moment, then there's no Game 7 moment. Yep. It, it's, it's like you can't keep trying to manufacture excitement. Some races, like, you have to have boring races so that you can appreciate the exciting ones more. You know, like, I, I talked about this last week in, in, the, in the show last week about Formula One. You know, you have to have those bad Formula One seasons to really appreciate when we get a good one. You know, it, it's, it's the same with every type of race. You appreciate the good ones because you endured the bad ones. And, and just because they were not necessarily the most exciting races doesn't even mean that they're bad. It doesn't even mean that they're bad races. I have said that the stage cautions are so unnecessary. You, there's nothing wrong. I have never had a problem with rewarding stage points. I think the original argument for creating stage points, I got it. I understood it. You know, I can say that maybe at first I didn't agree with it, but at the very least, again, I understood it because they were right. You know, racing is weirdly the only sport where you don't score points as the race goes along. You know, you, you, you maybe earn a bonus point for leading a lap or leading the most laps, but I mean, that only goes to one driver or two drivers in some cases, you know, and, and I, I feel like, you know, if we were able to maybe spice things up, then that's great. And I think even Ryan Blaney made comments, um, about how, the rate, the way the racing is now, it's 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 all doubt. The, the racing is more aggressive and drivers more aggressive because of the stage points, because of the emphasis on running well. I mean, they said you know you can't you can't just give up a spot anymore and just get it back, you know. Yeah. And is that a good thing? Well, I think yes and no. I think it makes for harder racing, and I think it makes for more aggressive driving, which some fans like but then at the same time it also reduces the amount of passing you'll see because drivers again aren't willing to just give up a corner when when they might not have it you know they don't know when they'll get that position back or if they'll get that position back they don't know if they'll be able to jump them on pits on pit stops you know it's a crapshoot in a lot of cases you know so i i i feel like to me Stage cautions are have never been necessary and are no longer necessary. I think we've seen on road courses that, in my opinion, racing is better. I think seeing the strategy play out, seeing different strategies going along. People say, oh, that's boring. Oh, the only fun thing about road courses is because one crazy strategy works. Yeah, it's kind of cool to see a crazy strategy work. Why is that not cool? Why is that not interesting? Why? Why is it... That if a driver pits on lap two, takes two tires and gas, and then is able to leapfrog half the field because he catches a lucky caution, why is that bad? Like, I, I don't understand. You know, I'm, I, I'll never get it. I'll never understand why that is, so. Uh, but will they eliminate stage cautions? I doubt it. I doubt it. But I hope that they do. I hope that they do. I very, very, very much hope that they do. Um, let me think about this. You know, the first little comment, actually, which you said there, you know, the lucky caution, someone leapfrogging. Let me just say, Eli Manning, two Super Bowls. Many of the plays that got him there were, you know, these amazing throws 
but even more amazing catches. That's luck. Some of those catches that the, his receivers caught were luck. And I'm, I'm just pointing out Eli Manning because I think it's two of the more popular or more famous catches out there. Um, that that that's just luck. The baseball player that juggles a ball after he hits the ground that that that's that's luck. That's not skill. That's luck. And that's again that's where it stops people two runs from going in. That's that's luck. So it's just NASCAR's version of stick and ball. Where the when a caution comes out, a legitimate caution comes out, I might add, and it helps a guy who has been slow and struggling. Their strategy worked out; they pitted at the right time, or they didn't pit at the right time, or and they waited. Whatever the case may be, that's what's great about the strategy with road course racing we're seeing here. But I think that magic can still happen on ovals too, where you're not playing out. You can listen in the broadcast at Coda and Sonoma. Um, I wasn't able to watch the Xfinity race at Portland, so I really wasn't able to see it. Uh, the truck race, you know, the truck race is the same there, too. And the Xfinity and truck race at, at, at Coda. The strategy, the, the, the amount of strategy that the commentators can then talk about is opened up. They're able to say, well, you know, we have a lot more to talk about now because it's not so straightforward on the pit strategy side. Where, all right, guys going to pit at the end of stage one, they're going to short pit, they're going to pit at the end of stage two, or they're going to short pit. And they may or may not pit at the end of in the stage three, depending upon how many cautions come out. Well, now you're like, well, how far do you want to run? Do you want a short pit, gain time? Do you want to run a certain uh, stint longer? I mean, just look at IndyCar. Now, IndyCar's got two tire compounds, I understand. But they have the same thing, and they don't have stages. It's exciting. I hope the same thing. I like you. I don't know. I think a lot of it will come down to... A lot, I think a lot of it will come down to how the next few road course races play out. Um, you're, you know, you you talk about the people who complain on Twitter like oh, this race isn't exciting because stage cautions, but you have the people like us who are like this race is boring because there is stage cautions. It's NASCAR is going to cater to whoever's talking and complaining about the time. You know that that's also a fact as well. So. I don't know. I hope I'm going. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say yes. They're going to. They're going to get rid of it because I think the drivers and teams are going to be like, we don't need this. It's going to be more exciting, and um, that's also going to make the the crew chiefs earn their money more because they'll have to create their own strategy again. You know what? While we're at it, I'm going to take a jab at it. Take away SMT too. Take away SMT. They can't see anyone's SMT but their own. That'll make things really, really exciting for everybody. All right, final question here. Rob talked about it earlier. Circuit Jobs Villeneuve will be uh, will be NASCAR's replacement in 2024 for the Chicago Street Course. Do you upshift or downshift? Uh, this is a pretty easy upshift. I think this is exactly what NASCAR is doing. This is a contingency plan. Um, it very much seems like this is this is a straight-up contingency plan for them. Um, I upshift this. I think this is a good move. Uh, if this is the case, um, I again, I don't, we don't know for sure if if it's actually going to replace the Chicago Street Course. But again, given everything that has happened, you know, all of the pushback, all of the new new government changes within the Chicago area, I, it's very unlikely that the Chicago Street Course will come back for next year. And in the event that it does not come back, 
the best thing I think is to put it on circuit Gilles Villeneuve because a lot of people don't don't really realize this, but technically, in the same technically, technically it's also a street course. Technically, not not really, but technically, like it does run, it does share some, you know, local streets. You know, it is with, a, it's definitely a blend between a uh, permanent and a temporary course. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of like Belle Isle in that in that sense. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, where it's like yeah. it's, it's like it's a it's a public area at a public park most of the time, but there's also a racetrack here. You know, it's a very interesting situation. So, you know, I feel like that would be a good. Of course, naturally, number one answer would just be go back to Road America. What are we doing? But also, totally fine with this. So I'm gonna upshift it. You know, um, I, I gotta upshift it too. I think it's the timing of it being released that uh, this uh, this news breaking is is very. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think they're floating it out there. I still think it's possible that you know. I understand NASCAR wants to be in Chicago, but not all press is good press, and for me. I, I I understand you want to be in Chicago. Bringing the street the street race to people is 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 a direct bringing the product directly to the consumer. Chicago Land really wasn't doing that where its location was. We don't have Chicago Under Speedway anymore. Um, sadly, that would have been a great alternative. Um, but where your options of putting it in a picturesque, aesthetically pleasing place in chicago are exceptionally limited and you're basically limited to where you're at um because you can't close down every major freaking road in chicago to do it right but yet again there's just so much so much public pushback on this race and then you have on the same you have the government isn't supporting it the government isn't supporting it because they don't want it the government isn't supporting it because I think Chicago's being taken for a ride. The deal clearly favors NASCAR. I think by the end of it, I think once the race is the, the race is over, we're going to hear a lot more news about Chicago's future, Chicago Street Course's future in NASCAR. Does it move relocate to a different place that isn't as really good uh, for NASCAR and the aesthetic part, or does it? leave Chicago altogether. I think Montreal is a great location for a NASCAR race. Um, the track is, is very suitable. Bring Cup, bring Xfinity, have a heck of a weekend there, and, you know, be the first Canadian race since COVID for NASCAR, uh, three national divisions, and the first Cup race in Canada in, gosh, 50 years? I actually think Richard Petty's first cup race was in Canada. I think it was in Toronto. So, yeah, I, I think it's a replacement. I think this is, like you said, very good word, contingency plan. And uh, I think it's a good contingency plan. It's not a bad one. Now we just got to figure out what they're doing in SoCal, and we'll be good to go. All right, that was the Upshift Downshift segment. Rob, run us through the weekend wrap-up. Let's talk about the weekend wrap-up because there were races. 
lots of fun races. The 24 hours of Le Mans was this weekend, and what a race it was. I was thoroughly entertained from start to finish. I think the things that I loved the most about this race was I love the hypercar. I absolutely have fallen in love with hypercars. I am so thankful that we have finally been able to come together and create a prototype platform that can be embraced by all different kinds of car manufacturers and all from all across the world where we could bring together um, IMSA, the the ELMS, and the WEC. We could bring them all together and we can run uh, run this one uh, formula and and compete at Le Mans. I mean, I I just – seeing – Seeing Ganassi and Penske running out there with the likes of Ferrari and Toyota, um, you know, I just, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. You know, I mean, to me, that's, that's, you're not going to, you're not going to top that. I mean, that is some of the coolest racing, I think, around. And then, you know, you've got the GT battles, which are, you know, they're okay. They're fun, you know. Uh, there was some, there was some good GT battles, but the hypercar, man, I, I, I just loved how too. It was, it, it, it wasn't from the beginning. It wasn't always gonna be Ferrari's race. Like, yeah, you kind of figured Ferrari had the, had the advantage, but you always knew something. You know, you didn't know what was gonna happen. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a, a guarantee for Ferrari, and I really, I really liked that. You know, they were, they, they faced some, some tough competition throughout the race uh and and i i really really enjoyed it you know now a lot of people were making you know comments about the coverage of it you know and i've always said you know it's it's not awful but i really don't like how you know sometimes it it's it's rich this coming from me because i'm probably the some someone who gets off topic more than anybody else but Really, it can be kind of frustrating when you're trying to follow the race and trying to follow what's going on, especially during the overnight hours. And and the announcers are just going on about something completely unrelated to the race. So, and I understand that, you know, like we talked about F1, you know, wanting to bring entertainment to people, and I understand that. But it's like, I still want to know what's going on in this race. You know, there's still developments happening. There's still... St- you know, things happening. Cars are making pit stops. You know, there might be cars going off, you know, drivers making mistakes. You know, keep me up to date with that. You know, don't don't react when the camera changes. You know, keep keep me up to date on that. That's my probably my only biggest issue with that. And I saw that the Eurosport Eurosport had Lee Diffie. And I wanna know why Eurosport gets Lee Diffie, but we don't. Like this is not fair. Apparently, apparently, the only way you could listen to Lee Diffie was if you subscribed on the Motor Trend Plus and, and watched it that way. I guess that was the only way you could hear Lee Diffie. And that kind of bummed me out because I totally wanted to listen to Lee Diffie the whole time. I was like, yes, I, I, I would prefer... I mean, dude, Lee Diffie calling IMSA races is great. And so I'm just hearing these clips of Lee Diffie calling this, this the, the Le Mans, and I'm like, dude, this is already so much more inter- engaging for me. I don't know. To each his own. But, um, yeah, again, hypercar class, so much fun to watch. Absolutely loved it. Um, also, you know, kind of funny to see some of the smaller teams, you know, kind of fall apart. 
Um, and, and, and I forgot to mention this. Shoot, I meant to mention this in uh, the news segment, but uh, it was actually announced at Lamar that um, uh, the LMP2 class is going to be going away after next year. They're going to be doing away with the LMP2 cars, yeah. in, in, at least at Lamar, from what I understand. Uh, mainly because there's just so much, so much interest in the hypercar regs, and there's so much more, you know, entries in hypercar that they're getting they're, the the grid is filling up filling up too much. You know, they have too many cars entered now. So what they what they decided to do is is scrap LMP two, um, for it to just expand the hypercar. So that again, no issues there. LMDH formula is perfect. I love it. Um, no notes. Uh, but I would be, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the winners overall of the 24 Hours of Le Mans, uh, that being James Collado, uh, Alessandro Pierre Guidi, and Antonio Giovinazzi, who I am so happy to see has won the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I have always said that Antonio Giovinazzi is a good driver. He should be um, a respected driver, but unfortunately, because F1 elitists don't believe that you can be good in other forms of racing that isn't F1 <laughs> and still be a good driver, um, they don't believe Giovinazzi's a good driver, but I always did, so it's good to see him prove everybody wrong by becoming a winner at the, uh, an overall winner at the 24 Hours of Le Mans and uh, winning one leg of the Triple Crown of Motorsport. Now it just comes down to, can we get Gio in an IndyCar? That's what I want to see. You know, that's what I want to see the most. I want to see Giovinazzi in an IndyCar now. Um, and then I'll talk about a little bit about the Garage 56 entry, the NASCAR entry. I already mentioned this and touched on it briefly, but again, what an experience. What, it's so It was so cool to see this car running at Le Mans and how much speed it had. Um, I believe it won the pit crew competition, um, which is crazy. Uh, and, and, and this is uh, just all of the differences this car had you know all of the other cars at Le Mans you know they have doors you can just open up the door and get right in climb right in this car didn't it was an actual cup car you had to climb in through the window just like you would in NASCAR um and it, it was really cool to see the driver changes it was yeah. really cool to see the way that the, the drivers changed you know because it was so unlike anything you'd ever seen at Le Mans um or it, it's something you haven't seen in decades I guess at Le Mans uh, is drivers climbing in through the through the window? Um, I, I I loved the fact that I, I think the the Garage Fifty Six lineup. I don't I don't think got enough attention. I mean, if you if you announced this lineup in twenty ten, that would have been quite literally three drivers at the top of their games at that time. Yeah, like Jim Jam had just came off winning three t three straight titles at the time. Five straight. Jensen Button was the reigning world champion, and I want to say I don't know if I'm right, but I want to say Rockefeller had a what was coming off either a Lamar win or maybe something of equal stature. Yeah. I have, I actually haven't looked that up. I should have looked that up before I did that, but I mean, those three drivers were quite literally at the top of their game in 2010. And now they all come together for this garage 56 entry at Lamar. And I just, I cannot get over that. How, if you had told me in 2010 that those three guys were going to run a cup car at Lamar in 2023, and have it be faster at one point than all the other GT class. Like, I'm serious. I went to bed around, or I, I didn't say I went to bed. I fell asleep, I should say. I fell asleep around, around 3 in the morning 
uh, right before three in the morning. So it was about a little past two thirty, and that was right as the Garage Fifty Six car had passed every single GT car and was quite literally competing in the overall standings with the LMP2 cars. Yeah. Which is just insane. That's insane. That's crazy. It's faster than all the other GT cars. And then it was even in some, it was faster than a few of the LMP2 cars in straight line. That was the coolest thing is watching this car. I think the thing that I loved about watching this car was the fact that it you could very much tell it was a cup car. It was heavy. It didn't have downforce. It didn't have, you know, uh, some of the things that the GT cars and the LMP2 cars had. So when, when you watched it going into the corners or going into the um, chicanes, obviously it lost time. Obviously the car was losing time. But then as soon as they got out of the, went, got out of the corners and onto the straights again, that car just blew by. And it was all about, like, passing with the Garage 56 car was just all about straight line speed. Like, if you can catch them, catch the car on a straight line, and then stay with them through the corners, then you can catch them on the next strip and strip, uh, straight and pass them. And I, I, just, I was just so fascinated watching that because I've just never seen a car that is that slow in the corners be able to then have that much more horsepower on the straightaways. Like, you just don't... I don't see that. That is not something that I see very often. So it was just really fascinating to me. So I'm going on and on about this Le Mans. Josh, I don't know how much of Le Mans you watched. Did you watch? Were you able to watch any at all? I wasn't able to watch any at all. A lot of what I watched was just simply from social media. But it, I mean, it, it looked like, you know, what I was really focused on because I just don't know enough about sports cars. I mean, I appreciate the race and I appreciate its history and appreciate its significance in the in the racing world i just don't know a lot about the uh you know the, the drivers and the world endurance championship obviously the hypercar was pretty cool i think that's that's a that's a really cool as you mentioned you, you should kind of be able to bring everyone together in the manufacturer side um i think you could see even more entries next year for that um for that class and uh you know, for the, for the Garage 56, that's also what I was really focused on. Again, it just, we mentioned earlier, what a great showcase for what a next-gen car can be uh, in NASCAR. Um, I think it's, it, it, there's a lot of people who walked into the paddock there, walked into the grandstands that really looked down at NASCAR, and they're like, ah, that's really, it's, what is it, guys? A bunch of guys turning left, you know? Well, we can make a car that turns right and kick your ass at the same time yeah and yeah we it don't play free bird yeah we we exactly <laughs> we don't have the we don't have the 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 outright power and speed and downforce arrow of a hypercar but a, a comparable car we're gonna go out there and beat you so i don't know i would love to see the this thing run the 24 hours of daytona that's what i want to see i want to see it run 24 hours of daytona I want to see Ford and Toyota build one, and and get a a, a star-studded lineup of NASCAR drivers competing in that thing for, for Chevrolet drivers, Ford drivers, and Toyota drivers go out there and have fun, and uh, have a little mini class of their own out there. I think that would be freaking fantastic. So, uh, great stuff. For Preaching to the choir here. I know I'm preaching to the choir, preaching to Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Doug Gates too. Um, uh, but yeah, Lamont, great, great race, great 100 years there. 
Yeah, man. Um, and finally, you know, my final notes on this, on this, on the Lamar is first of all, NASCAR. We've seen this is that car went the entire twenty-four hours in Lamar and only had one mechanical problem. Okay, it did finish thirty-ninth overall, but at one point, I believe it was as high as like twenty-eighth or twenty-seventh. Yeah. Um, and you know, it had it had transmission problems, um, but the engine lasted all twenty-four hours. And it had more horsepower than the current cup car. So need more horsepower. Need more just, horsepower. Yeah, need literally. Horsepower. Like it's time, guys. It's time. Um, and then the, the the other final note is I absolutely love it. I texted you this, Josh, and I think other people have brought it up, but I absolutely love how Ferrari won Le Mans. Yes, yes. On yes. the same weekend that Ford announced a factory GT program for next year. I mean, it's just. It, I mean, are we going to see Ford versus Ferrari part two in fifty years on, on the big screen? But I think we're going to see a Ferrari and a Ford at the top of their classes in Le Mans next year. <laughs> You're missing another point too. Ferrari won a race. That's true. They did. Carlos, Carlos and and Charles must be like, what in the world? What? 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 This is yeah. And this is the thing that bugs me the most. I guess a little bit about this is. I'm so disappointed more F1 drivers don't compete at Le Mans. I mean, the week is it's, free. You got IndyCar beneath them. I think they think of it as it's beneath them. I really do. It's not beneath them. Alonso didn't think it was beneath him. I know it's not. Alonso didn't think it was beneath him. Look, I, I would have preferred if more F1 drivers would have participated because it's like you got NASCAR, I got a NASCAR driver and Jimmy Johnson. You've got IndyCar drivers. Scott Dixon was out there. Simon Pagano was out there. Uh, I think Kyle Kirkwood was even out there. Um, you know, you, you had these drivers from all over the world. Formula E drivers were running here, obviously. I mean, that's basically their number one thing anyway is WC. Um, but it, it was like, where, where are the F1 guys? If, if we just had some F1 guys, I think we could have, you know, if it's my opinion, hey, Ferrari, next year, put Charles Leclerc in. In, in in a in a hypercar, yeah. Give him something to, and, and, and it, but if it, but 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 watch it break down, watch it break down. If if that's the case, it'll break down with him in the car in the first ten corners. As soon as he, he it'll break down during his first stint. That it'll it'll be leading the race with like someone else, like Geo or something, and then it'll yeah. break down as soon as, as soon as Charles gets in the car. Yeah. Yep, 100%. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> oh, boy. At least it's not a bike call this car. Um, let's talk about the Arkham Award Series West. So, basically, we had uh, a lot of uh, cup guys. Obviously, they were racing over in Sonoma. And this has been a common thing. This has been something that's happened for quite some time in, in NASCAR, every time NASCAR goes out west. Um, but normally, they don't have, like, an Xfinity race. Um, they did have an Xfinity race this year. Um, but the Arkham and Art Series West was still out there. Uh, they ran on Friday. And uh, Ryan Priest picked up the win, which is, again, not uncommon. It's, you know, cup guys tend to run those West races and tend to sometimes win. Um, and, but it was the Xfinity race that really surprised a lot of people because there was a bunch of cup drivers in the Xfinity race. Kyle Larson basically dominated the majority of the race. Um, but it was Eric Almarola who scored the victory in the Xfinity Series. Uh, and it was the first win for RSS Racing, Ryan Sieg, um, the Sieg family team. Yep. Um, and I, I 
couldn't believe that it. This was probably the most random win. That's good. And I guarantee you, it's gonna, in five years, nobody's going to even remember Almirola won this race. And nobody's going to remember that he won the race for RSS, except for maybe a few people who bring it up in obscure facts on podcasts like this. Um, yeah. I, I am. I, I just. I, I can't. Couldn't believe it happened. I, first of all, I couldn't believe Larson screwed up the last corner. Well, he, like, yeah, the, he, the way he, he did. Like he said, he got greedy. He got greedy and, and was wanting that back. He had that faster car. He'd given another lap or two, he would have had the lead. But he had to. He wanted to push it in turn eleven, and he got greedy. Hit the hit the tire. It's not really a tire barrier, a tire cone setup. Um, yeah. Hit it, knocked it out with the wheel of his hand, lost second place to AJ Elmendinger, and screwed up the toe and arrow. He got greedy. Yeah, man, it's that's just crazy. And and the thing about it too is, it, again, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, you know, we shouldn't," you know. This again, I think the Xfinity race was a great example of why no stage breaks are a good thing. I think the yeah. Xfinity race, yes, it, 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 with cars that you know can pass a lot easier than the Cup race. This this was a very engaging race. Like it kept my, you know, it kept my engagement the entire the entirety of the race. And I think Alan Marola just. Be, I, I think the no stage breaks is a, was a big reason why Almirola was able to win the race in the first place and get up there. I mean, not to say the car wasn't fast, not to say that he wasn't fast, but I don't think that he would have been in the position that he was in if if cautions didn't fall when they did and Almirola was able to take advantage of them. Right. You know, because that's the thing. The thing about stage breaks is they're they're predetermined. So teams know that there's going to be a caution at two times during the race, so they they map their strategies out like that. When you take those, when you take away the ability for teams to know when cautions are going to come, then that creates more gambling. You know, they gambled on cautions coming out. They got lucky, and here they are. They ended up winning the race. It's this. The Xfinity series should be re- the reason enough why, because nobody complained yeah. about there not being enough action in the Xfinity race. No, nobody complained about that. Well, there's not enough action in the Cup race because the air, because this arrow was not right. The well, yeah, was not set up correctly, not enough power. Yeah, Larry Mack was talking about how they don't, they can't hop the curbs as much because it it, it upsets the downforce from the diffuser, slows yes. the cars down. So they can't they can't hop the the curbs like they would and try and get every inch of the track, and when they're trying to get every inch of the track, they're making more mistakes, which leads to more passing. They're not doing that, so yeah, of course it's going to be a little bit more of a processional. But even then, as we move on to the cup race, I didn't have a major problem with that, because if if we're going to have a processional-like race, we better have some fun pitch strategy. Right? And I think we had some fun pitch strategy. Yeah. I think, I, we, I think we did. Yeah. Um, uh, the one thing I do want to say, though, this is the one thing I want to say about the race, and this was not an upship-downship question, but I want to make it known. Um, I think that uh, the penalty for Tyler Reddick was BS. And I'm going to oh, tell you yes. why. I'm going to tell you why. I think yes, that was total BS. He never took the new lap. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. He just, he just, took there, he just turned around. Uh, I'm going to tell you why. First and foremost, they shouldn't have said it was cutting the whole course because he didn't... Timing scoring was not going to score him suddenly as being in first. Right? You weren't going to score him as that. Yeah. Okay. So, second of all, the guy prevented a, 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 a full-course yellow. 
Yes, he did. Because he wouldn't have made it all the way around the track. He would have broken down. They, he would have to they wanted the caution. I know they wanted the full, full course yellow. But that second of all, I don't even know how you can say... I mean, what... The fact of the matter is, even if, even if, let's say hypothetically, let's say hypothetically, race control decided to score him as first, right? It would have been a horribly erroneous and it's incredibly stupid to have done. But let's say they did that. Everything goes back to normal while he's sitting there on pit road. Now, yes. now, from what, from my, what my understanding was, I believe, now, I, someone can correct me if I'm wrong about this, and please do if I'm wrong about this. But I believe he'd lost at least two laps. Yes, yeah, on, on pit road. Well, and, so any yeah, time that he gained from that, he lost it on pit road. I think he lost double that time on pit road. Well, and you're telling me that. Look, there is just a simple clicks of a button, and he and it's fixed. I don't know where the loops were, but. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how the timing scoring system works, but like to me, like you, you, it should be like a video game where you're going for like you're hitting the loops in the, in the, on the map on right on, 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 on sort of racing games or that type of event on video games where if you don't cross through the next loop, you can turn around and go backwards, but you're still going to be you, you, nothing. You won't be scored again until you hit the next loop, right? So if say he triggered two loops after that. He won't be timed again until he hits the next loop. So he's just going to be stuck there. I don't know if that's actually how it works. But to me, here's the thing that bugs me. Let's pretend Gilligan's Island didn't exist in 2001 for a, a brief second. First off, moment of silence for Gilligan's Island. Now let's move on to let's pretend it didn't exist in 2001. I can't see him being penalized in 2001 for this. I don't think that that would have happened. I can't see that being an option for NASCAR race control. Then David Hoos would have been like, good job. Good job, Tyler. Good move. Heads up play. I like it. All right. Good job. Now go get your car fixed. Today, it's like it got butt hurt over it. He didn't, he didn't impede anyone's way. There was no one coming. And even if there, there was, I think Tyler's crew, spotter would have said, stop, 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 stop. Go, 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 go. Right? Yeah, I was told by your BS. I hated the, hate the call. Here's the other thing that bugs me about it, too. And I'll say this. Is if there was not a wall all the way around that hairpin and Reddick would have just been able to slide right in on pit road, the worst it would have been would have been a commitment violation. Correct. So, again, it's not... It's not... It's not... I, I just... Uh, it irks me. That call, uh, that was... That was that that in the tire thing. Take the cake for what an idiot. No, uh, it, I mean it really. It, it really does. Things are not a what an idiot on door bumper clear this week. I don't know what they're watching, and I I don't know if if NASCAR was really mad about you know Reddick preventing a caution. But I want to say this to NASCAR. I want to say this to NASCAR before I move on to the outstanding performance. There's nothing wrong with a race being short, like you. Do they realize that all of these cautions, all of these phony cautions, all of these stage cautions slow the race pace down? And I actually liked how quickly the race went on Sunday because did you see how much time Fox had left over to do post-race interviews? A lot. They normally don't have that, 
because they don't have enough time left in the broadcast window because a race takes too goddamn long. Correct. Correct. You are 100% right. There was a good half hour of, of window for them to be able to interview drivers after the race, which was exceptionally nice, um, especially in modern-day NASCAR. You know, this is the, it felt very, it felt like I was back in 2005 again. Yeah. All right. Race is over. Let's, let's talk to the top 10, man. Let's, let's get some good, let's get some good quotes. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Rob. So who's your outstanding performance? You know what? I went back and forth with this. Um, I wanted to, I want to give it, I want to shout out Antonio Giovinazzi and I already feel like I did, but the other guy that needs a shout out to me, and, and this is coming from me who's criticized him in the past is I'm going to give it to Michael McDowell. I mean, to be honest with you, I, was impressed with his race pace the entire the entire weekend really he had quick race pace um he looked fast out there uh and i in all honesty he was he was my dark horse pick for for a long time there i really thought that mcdowell you know with 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 a lucky yellow and or maybe you know good track position here on a restart or something you know i thought he would been easily a, a contender for the win uh still came out with what top five top ten um yeah still did really really well especially for for front row um i think it's great to see that whole team kind of turning a a new leaf and and mcdowell starting to really instead of being at the back of the mid pat field he's up up at the front of the midfield now you know mixing it up with the top which is yeah you know he he's not he's not running back in 25th anymore he's running 15th yeah you know and i think that's 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 good improvement that's that's always good improvement, um, especially considering just how small that team is and just how much, many resources that team has compared to the other teams that it races with every year, uh, every week. And I'm obviously, you know, it's bigger than it was maybe a decade ago, but that still doesn't mean it's, you know, as big as Hendrick or, or Penske or something like that. So um, just good, good for McDowell, good for that whole team, good for that whole team, you know, and hey, man. I'll always stop at a Love's as long as you guys are still sponsoring a NASCAR. I'll keep stopping at Love's truck stops when I'm driving. There you go. I got to get mine to Eric Almarola. Uh, you know, he did a great job. My, I was, was really impressed with is, you know, Kyle Larson caught him. And I don't know how hard Kyle was pushing him, but Kyle's in his mirror enough to be like, I'm here, bud. Don't screw up. And don't doubt for a second, Eric wasn't thinking he had the best, he had the better car there's no way he did he had he had the second third best car that day um Larson by far had the best car um so to have that in your mirror in that in your mind knowing your car isn't as fast and you held him off and you kind of forced Larson into a mistake Larson forced it himself but Larson got to a point where he was frustrated enough that Eric hadn't made a mistake hadn't missed a corner had thrown enough sort of blocks like in turn seven that he was like, I'm done. I want to pass this guy. Good for Eric. Good for him. Getting the RSS their first win. They've been they've been so close in recent years with 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 Ryan Sieg a few times. And it, I'm sorry Ryan wasn't able to get that first win for that team, but I'm so proud of this team for getting that win. Um and I know it's a Stuart Haas prepared car, but guess what? It doesn't matter who no one asked who prepared the car. Racing reference does not list who built the car. It's the driver and team owner and crew chief. And it's going to be Eric Almarola and RSS Racing. And I don't know who his crew chief was. Sorry. Didn't look that up. But 
yeah, Eric Almirola, great job in that Xfinity Series race. Um, and, of course, it's always good to see a guy who was supposed to be retired win, and his son was super happy. I mean, climbing out, that's stuff you just love to see. Um, if there's one good thing that has changed in NASCAR over the last 40 years, it is definitely that there are more kids on down there that you can see the family excitement, how much it means to, to them when they when they see their their dad or or hopefully one day we get to see you know mom win and they're 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 there and like oh my gosh yes great job you know something like that that's always good to see all right rob i've got well how long do i got ten two minutes, minutes to try to read through all this for rollers featured season here? Ten, ten minutes ten, ten minutes. minutes ten minutes well i'll i'll, I'll try i'll try we my just best hit here. two hours we just hit two hours i know we just so hit two hours we'll see we'll see two hours six two hours eight seconds here uh, the uh, 1991 NASCAR Bush Series season uh, is what I'm doing today. It was the 10th season of the series, and it consisted of 31 races. It began on February 16th at Daytona International Speedway and concluded on October 27th at Martinsville Speedway. So yes, at, there was once upon a time the Bush Series concluded their season at Martinsville. What a great time to live in, I'm sure. Do it again. Steve Grissom. Finished 10th in the final standings with one win at the second South Boston race in July. In ninth was Tom Peck, but failed to visit Victory Lane. Tommy Houston was 8th, and he failed to visit Victory Lane too. Todd O'Dyne scored his uh, first career Xfinity Series win at the first Dover uh, in uh, race of the year, and it was his only win of the season. Again, he finished 7th. In 6th in the standings was Joe Nemechek. He went winless in 1991. Jimmy Hensley won three times, Martinsville won, Hickory two, and Orange County two, and finished fifth. Uh, in fourth was the often forgotten Chuck Bowne. He captured three wins, Nazareth, Myrtle Beach, and Motor Mile. Robert Presley uh, scored a single win and finished third in the standings. His win came at the first race at Orange County. In second in the standings was Kenny Wallace, and he captured two victories, race victories. Volusia County and New Hampshire Motor Speedway won, and then it was New Hampshire International Speedway. After winning just two races, Bristol won an IRP. What two great tracks to win at. A lot of great tracks this year, by the way. Uh, that was uh, Bobby Labonte won the 1991 NASCAR Bush Series Championship by 74 points over Kenny Wallace. So it literally came down to the last race. Literally. Uh, and he also, and, But he also won by 335 points over Robert Presley. So it was a two-horse race still at the end of the season. So it could be there's an alternate universe where Kenny Wallace is a NASCAR Bush Series champion. Uh, so I listed off a lot of drivers there who were uh, uh, winless in the top ten. Uh, that's because there was a there's a few drivers who 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 finished outside the top ten, very close to the top ten though, but outside the top ten who won races. Uh, and then there were some Cup guys down there as well. Harry Gant started 16 races but won a season high five. He won at Rich both Richmond. Uh, Richmond 1, Richmond 2. He won at Dover 2, Charlotte 2, and Martinsville 2, uh, which was the season finale. Dale Jarrett started 17 races and scored 3 wins. He won at Rockingham 1, Darlington 1, and Bristol 2. Dale Earnhardt competed in 13 races, and he won, obviously, at Daytona. because you, you showed it to Daytona in the late 80s and early 90s in the NASCAR Bush Series, knowing, like, all right, guys, we're racing for second. Dale's going to win the race, right? They've already got his name engraved on the trophy. Dale Earnhardt, winner of the Bush Series 300 at Daytona. 
This is what it was. But he won Daytona. He also won the Charlotte race in May and the uh, fall race at Darlington. Then Ricky Craven. He made only seven starts, but won twice. His home race at Oxford Plains and New Hampshire, too. Both kind of home races for him, actually, because he is from Maine. Jeff Burton ran the full season and had a single victory at his home track, South Boston, the first South Boston race. David Green started 29 out of the 31 races and won one race at Lanier. Uh, Butch Miller started 28. Uh, he won once at Hickory 1. Ernie Irvin won once in 15 starts, and that was Rockingham 2, the penultimate race of the season. Terry Labonte started a mere five races, but still won. One race, the only road course race of the year, at Watkins Glen. Now, 1991 was, was a while ago, Rob. It was, it, was, it, was, it was 32 years ago. Manufacturer world, all 31 races were won by General Motors brands. Ford failed to visit Victory Lane. Now, I think 1991, Jeff Gordon was running full-time for uh, Bill Davis Racing, but I think he... May have been the only full-time Ford out there. There might have been one or two more, but he may have been the only full-time Ford. Um, that was a big loss for Ford at the time, too. Huge loss. When he when he said bye-bye to Ford and went to Hendrick in 1993, huge loss. Uh, so Chevrolet won seven times. Buick won six. Pontiac won eight. But your grandfather's favorite Oldsmobile won ten times. One ten Excuse time. me, grandfather's favorite. Oldsmobile is still my favorite car brand of all time, and I believe in Oldsmobile supremacy. Oh, okay, there we go. All right, Rob, Rob Peters, out here with an old soul. But yeah, I mean, come on, yeah, Oldsmobile. They, uh, that's just been a long, long, I think Oldsmobile exited like in 92, Buick in 93, something like that. Or maybe it was 91, 92. I can't remember what years they were. I want to say they were were running Oldsmobiles until about 94. They might have been running them by then, but I think that they were still running them by then. They might have been running them, but I I feel like by 94, the only manufacturer's support was from Chevrolet, Pontiac, and Ford. I'm not calling you wrong, but I feel pretty confident in that. No, I know. I I, I think you're right about that. I, I remember there's like a... I remember in '94 there were maybe a handful of Oldsmobiles and Buicks, but there weren't very many. It was all they were kinda all like Chevys we had, or Pontiacs. Kind of like we had the Ghost Pontiacs in '04 in the Bush series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, all right. Yeah, or or or, or the Ghost Dodges, the Challengers that continue wow, to run. the Dodges, huh? The Zombie Dodges, the as zombie, they call them. Zombie, do- zombie Dodges. Thank you, Zombie. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, yes, so a lot like that. So that kind of surprised me when I was looking through the list. I'm like, holy cow, Ford is not on this list on the winner's side. So all 31 races, General Motors brands with Oldsmobile taking the cake uh, on, on the victory side. So good good for them. Good for them. That was a featured season this year, 1991 Bush Series, technically the Bush Grand National Series. Um, I often drop the Grand National, so I apologize to those who really like me to be super 100% accurate all the time, but it's just the Bush Series. I'm sorry. Uh, I, it's, I, I just drop it sometimes. So the 1991 Bush Grand National Series, uh, Bobby Labonte, your champion, Oldsmobile, your most races won uh, in the season. So what's in the windshield here, Rob? Let's wrap up the show. How long did it take me to do? Seven minutes. That's not bad. Six minutes. Seven minutes, yeah. 
that's not bad. That's kind of what I'm aiming for this year with that. NASCAR takes the weekend off, but returns in two, uh, two weeks' time with all three national divisions at Nashville Super Speedway for the third trip for the Cup Series there. It's good to have Nashville Super Speedway back on the calendar. Um, and NBC. And NBC is back. Exactly. NBC is back. NBC, the bar's low. You can't get... You can't get... You can't. As long as you do the... Um, the the Marcus King intro f- into um, the Devil's Got You Beat starting intro, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. Also, by the way, side note, conversation for another day because we have gone over two hours. Jamie McMurray was fantastic in the booth. Why the hell he's not there? Why he's not there every week? I don't know why. I hope it's just his own personal decision and Fox not being like, hey, we're going to ignore you in favor of Tony Stewart. I think it's because Fox told... Fox wants Clint Boyer to be this over-the-top Daryl Waltrip-like character. And they're... Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're right. But, like, for the past two years, why have we not had Jamie McMurray in there? Because and... they want Clint. I know they want Clint, but, like, Clint alongside side Jamie and Mike. I mean, no, so I agree. Ro- but... Rotating drivers. I just say, Jamie McMurray did a fantastic job. He always does a fantastic job when he does the Bush broadcast. Uh, Bush broadcast. The Xfinity broadcasts. Um, absolutely good... great analyst on race up too for that matter. fantastic he is a great great analyst um fantastic the arkham and art series uh east will be at or excuse me this arkham and art series will be at berlin raceway in michigan june 17th so this weekend here formerly e is still off but they go and invade portland international raceway in oregon on june 24th for the portland e prix their american trip of the year supercars i is love back. uh formula e on a I love Formula E on a permanent road course. Sorry, I just had to add that. I'm just so excited for that. Formula E on a permanent road course is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. I think uh, that's one race I think I'm going to try to definitely watch when it comes up here. Um, Supercars is back. They're at Hidden Valley Raceway. Uh, you say Super Formula returns this weekend at... Uh, how, I don't want to butcher How are they racing? It's Sugo. It's Sugo. Sugo. Okay, Sugo. Yeah. Okay, okay. That, that almost looked too easy. That looked like a trap. Um, there. So, Formula uh, Super Formula returns this weekend at Sugo. Uh, Formula One uh, is back in North America via Montreal for the Canadian Grand Prix. Might be a little hazy, might be a little bit smoky. So, it's just going to be like Formula One paddock in the 70s. Everyone's going to be coughing. Uh, sorry, I had to take a shot there. I apologize. And IndyCar. Well, it's, it's, it's legal in Canada, so everybody's coughing anyway, probably, right? <laughs> probably. All right, and, Indy, and IndyCar is at America's Road. Road America. I have to do that plug at least once a year, folks. America's Road, Road America. I know the mother road is is, is Route 66, so America's Road has got to be Road America, right? That's this Sunday. Um, gosh, I'm going to watch that race and going to be thinking, man, why can't Cup be here? But Xfinity will be there in August, so don't cry too much, folks. All right, that's everything here today. What's in the windshield? Uh, thanks for listening, especially if, to our newer listeners. We appreciate you coming on board. Tell uh, tell your friends to listen to us if you like what uh, you're hearing, and they're racing fans too. Uh, and, and, of course, let us know what you think, uh, how we're doing, and uh, what any suggested featured paint schemes you got uh, on, on mine that we should maybe do. Uh, let us know about the featured paint scheme this week. What's your what's your vote for worst 2008 NASCAR Sprint Cup Series paint scheme? Uh, we think we got the, the two best ones out there, the two best worst out there. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us and uh, so you can get the notifications that we are posted a brand new show. And, and for the socials here, Rob is at rpeters33. That is 
R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3. I'm at Roller underscore zero one. R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. Elon Musk has still not kicked off the person who has at Roller on Twitter, even though they have been quiet for so many years. I really want that Twitter account, folks. So maybe uh, tweet at Elon Musk. Uh, Hey, at Roller underscore zero one wants the at Roller. He's more active than this dude. Just saying. And then the show is at Robin Roller. R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. That is the show, folks. Thank you for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed. For Rob Peters, I'm Josh Roller, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great Montreal and Road America weekend, everybody.